Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Once airborne, we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices, but note that some items may not be used. Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Etdog, VP Etridge. Welcome to the show and welcome, Etdog. Ah, how are you on this lovely Monday, mate? Ah, yeah. You know. ah, just, oh, hold on two seconds, mate. My door's knocking. Hold on. Damn, mate. Bit unprofessional. Jeez. Oh, we're good. Mate, you got enough cobra gear on there or what? Ah, oh, mate. What? Jeez. You got an issue with it? Mate, mate stand head, up again. Head, Show head, the people. Head, head the do, a little, do a little twirl. You know, go back. Get the shorts in there. Come on. Head to toe, mate. Look at that. Shorts, polo, <laughs> vest. I figured we're recording tonight, mate. I haven't... You're, only, you're only missing the hat and the, and the buff. The reason I don't have the hat on is because we just spoke to Rick Shabani from LA Dragon. So, LA represent. Yep. But uh, more importantly, mate. I'm in a much better mood now. <coughs> so, Sunday afternoon, may have uh, had a few beers at my bar watching the uh, Waffle Grand Final and the Sandfield Finals. Didn't realise when we started recording tonight that I actually didn't have many beers left over. But thankfully, mate, our good friend at the bottom, mate, deliver. Had to go get my delivery from the front door. Slab of cart and dry. Thank you very much. Yeah, very nice. I'll drink uh, that one. Cheers. But, yeah. My apologies, mate. Let's get back on track. Where were we? How are you? Um, I don't know, mate. You're throwing me off now. What are, what are we doing? Where are we going? Fiji, I believe. Oh, yeah. Fiji. Mate, I, I was looking forward to this one. I've got to be honest. Yeah, Beautiful this part was, of the world. This was one that myself and Lee had... We had it took a couple of months to finally line up. He's very, very busy man in his job and being around tax time in the Fiji, it was a bit hard, but we finally got it sorted. And then, again, like I never would have thought that a bloke in the time zone, a couple of hours behind us would have been one of the most hard, like the most hardest ones to get sorted. But uh, it was a good chat. Um, very, very insightful. Like, you know, I went in thinking that we're just going to be chatting about, you know, fucking sort of local Fijian stuff and the international team, not realizing I had a full blown proper league going on across there. And, yeah. Um, you know, David Roden plays a big part in footy across there, obviously being from Fiji himself. Yeah, and his, uh, his sister was one of the first uh, yes. AFLW players. She, she played uh, AFLW, so yeah, and I'm, mate, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think there might have been a couple of other Fijian girls drafted this year. Um, yeah, that was, that was last night. Um, I haven't, well, sorry, when I say last night, last night in recording this, I um, have been meaning to jump on the trade on the the uh, the fucking draft list and see if um, Jason from Crosscoats is see if his partner managed to get picked up. I haven't had a chance to jump on there yet. Yeah, I was I was having a I look. I also can't um, remember her name either. Doesn't help. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember her name, but. Best of luck to all the girls who got yeah. drafted, and and hopefully uh, his missus was one of them. And um... I tell you what, mate, um, you, your eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hate myself saying this just purely because I never thought I would, but um, your eyes definitely open up when you have a daughter. Like you know, as I've spoken to you, I mentioned this podcast. You know, when I found out I was having a daughter, it was just like a, 
she's off to play soccer or basketball. And I saw the last night, I was like, oh, you know, I think, as I said, depending on the clubs around the world, you start to realise she can travel the world and play the game. And when the AFLW draft was on, I was actually a little bit excited for these these women to go out and achieve their dreams because you know, I'm hoping my daughter can do the same thing. We're admittedly, and I put my hand up and say as a bloke before that, before this year, it would have been like, eh, you know, women get a chance to play footy, cool, like, good on them, but I would never have been so happy for them, like, it comes to having a kid, I guess they say. That's, yeah. I don't, that's why I say I hate saying that, because I always say to myself, I'll never be one of them people that, well, when you have a kid, you change, but no, you definitely do. Mate, softens you a bit, it's all right, mate, it's all right, you can, you can open up, it's okay. But, <laughs> mate, you can just imagine, by the time little OJ is, you know, ready, and then, you know, he's, 17, 18 years old, how, how bloody good the AFLW is going to be in 18 years' time, mate. It's going oh, to be, uh, she's, oh, it's going to be a going completely to different there. ball game to what that is now. Oh, she's going to go out there and bang 100 goals a season in for Essen and yeah. oh, there you go. Uh, just yeah, dominate. That's if she's not, you know, a father-son pick-up, father-daughter pick-up for the, for the Cobras, you know. Oh, mate, she has, <laughs> she has two choices in life. You have to go play for W, play for Sandy and take your pick. Yeah. She, she's starting she's starting to um on, on her pram obviously being the sports one I am she has like a little football a little basketball a little soccer ball and I think you send the snapshot of her start banging the basketball getting that shit out of there so yeah. um what what age is it like so she's almost she's three months now is that like old enough to buy a pair of footy boots uh, I think I'd, I'd wait a couple more months oh, okay yeah. Yeah. sure yeah I just don't want to go too early that's all <laughs> No, we're going too early. Make sure she's she has well, she's got a, she's already got a stand down top, her rest in the top. So yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of babies, mate, big congratulations to a uh, member of the forties club, or Brown Eye, Jimmy Morris. Jimmy Morris, uh, yes. Announcement of yeah, little Morris, him, him and uh, Jess yeah. uh, expecting. Uh, yeah, that, that, that asshole. So he ordered when we done the run of baby jumpers. He actually ordered a couple of Morrises because I, I knew they'd been. I knew they were trying, right? I think Juice was home for two days. He rang me. He was like, oh, I'm going to come pick up the jumpers. And I'm like, no dramas at all. That bastard knew when he picked them jumpers up that she was pregnant and didn't tell me. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. hey, you like, got to be sure of things. You, I can forgive. You know. like, it took me 12 weeks. Because uh, it's good, good of him to keep the secret. And, uh, mate, congratulations to him. And who knows, mate, at the, the time this comes out, little uh, little. Dicko could be born, who knows? Because uh, Jen, our beloved trainer, uh, fiance of our captain, is expecting pretty much any time now, really. Um, what do you reckon the chances are Friday night? St. Kira getting beaten, Dicko becomes a little bit unbearable. She just goes, Yep, yeah, it's coming, we've got to go now, Dicko. Sorry, mate. Just to really. Well, it, it is not, just to, just to shut him up a little bit. <laughs> I'll tell you what, they. I'd feel sorry for Jen if St Kilda make it to a grand final, and that's when she goes into labour. Oh, I really do. Uh, my fingers are crossed for her. she goes midweek, and it's all over before the weekend. Because could you uh, could you imagine right? Collingwood St Kilda grand final, and she still hasn't given birth yet. <laughs> yeah. Nah. <laughs> oh, mate, I wouldn't want to. Wish that upon her at all. So, but uh, yeah, congratulations. Yeah, just said to Jim and Jess, and um, you know, little Dicko won't be too far off. And I'm sure there's a few more that have been we don't know about yet that are you know put the work in over isolation. Yeah, yeah, they be mate. There's not ISO babies popping up. There's something wrong. But all right, let's get into this. Get, a lot of kids get There'll be a lot of kids getting around next year. You know, cover jumpers. But you did mention before about head to toe. Yeah, right. Hopefully by now the stuff's up on the website. Where can you go to get your your vests, your polos, your shorts, your hoodies, your jackets? I'm not gonna lie to you, mate. The reason I actually don't have my puffer vest on is because this morning I went for my walk. I was gonna say you'd be aware, but you don't wake up till nine o'clock, so you wouldn't be aware that at five o'clock this morning it was pissing down rain. I got absolutely drenched. Good news, my jacket got drenched. I stayed dry thanks to SCD. Very nice, very nice. That's good. Good work by SCD. They've done a great job and. Yeah, well, mate, we'll have it up on our website, sandowncobrasfnc.com.au. Head to the store link. I'll leave a link. We'll probably post a link up on our Facebook as well, straight to the store. 
um, get your orders in for pre-orders for all the stuff and buffs we've got in stock, hats we've got in stock and beanies we've got in stock, which you're not going to need a beanie at this stage, but hats and buffs, mate. You say that, mate. Well, you sent a beanie off not long ago and like uh, past play ordered one and you got a nice little handwritten note from the VP in there just thanking him for supporting the club. So, you know, it's going to be worth a bit of money when the Cobra cast takes off around the world. Very nice. Um, All right, mate. So let's get into this one. We're going to chat with Lee from uh, AFL Fiji. Uh, Enjoy this one and we'll catch you on the next one. All right. So today we would like to welcome Lee Held all the way from sunny Fiji. Uh, he's the president of AFL Fiji. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. No, it's our pleasure, mate. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's a beautiful part of the world. I haven't had the uh, privilege of being over to Fiji myself, but uh, I know my my brother went there for his honeymoon, and it's a pretty popular destination. I actually have family ties to Fiji, so it's a place I would love to get to one time. Um, yeah, my cousins are half Fijian. Um, yeah, so how did you get involved in AFL over in Fiji? Um, yeah, so I, I got involved mainly through uh, work and uh, I took up a, a job offer to come across to Fiji and that was back in 2015. Uh, my, my background's Fijian, so I was born and raised here in Fiji. So I, I saw that as a good opportunity for me to come back and, you know, reconnect with family and, and uh, you know, work in, in basically my home, homegrown roots, I guess. And, um, and obviously through that, I, I sort of became aware of um, AFL Fiji. I hadn't, I wasn't, um, hadn't known that there was a, an AFL community slowly growing here and, um, yeah, and kind of one thing led to another, and I, I reached out to some of the guys at AFL Fiji. Uh, I, I live in the west, western part of the main island, and and the sport is predominantly played in in the capital in Suva. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit tricky at the start, but we've we've managed. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got involved. Yeah, nice. It's um, Fiji's been uh, pretty pretty strong team through the international cup but when when did they first start playing footy over in fiji um i believe uh it was back in the early days of when a gentleman by the name of andrew hughes uh who was the newly appointed police commissioner um he came across in 2004 and uh from that i mean he was a passionate um footy lover and tried to sort of guess gather a bunch of interested parties to potentially play the game and um but i think one of the difficulties that he had was being the only person that was kind of driving it um it unfortunately sort of fell away and then um in 2009 uh david roden who was um playing for the richmond football club at the time i think or possibly port adelaide uh, came on board and sort of picked up where Andrew had sort of left off. And uh, there were a couple of families involved here in Fiji, the Wolfgrands, uh, the Roden family. And then there were other sort of um, people that were sort of growing passionately about the game. And they, they kind of helped formed uh, the official committee back in 2009. So officially we've been running for, for about 10 years now. Yeah, no, it's always handy to have such a big name like Daniel Roden to uh, help get the game really prospering over there. So how did you end up as president? <laughs> a, bit of a, a bit of a funny one, actually, because I, I was, um, with, with work, I was, I was very heavily tied up. But at the same time, I was doing my best to try and, um, I guess, help out with sort of football developments here. Like my, my company was looking at a way of trying to, you know, give back from a corporate social responsibility and, uh, and I bumped into a, a local expat, a guy by the name of uh, Mark Braybrook, who, who played in the Ovens of Murray. And um, him and I got talking and we thought, oh, why don't we just go down to the local park and have a kick of the footy and see if there's any kids that might, you know, be interested. And, 
yeah, sure enough, on that, on that day, we went down, we had a kick in the park, and we had probably about 15 kids that came up to us and asked us what we were doing. And uh, it kind of evolved from that. And then the next day, we, we, we went down, and there was about 20-odd kids waiting for us to have a kick of the footy, and it kind of just blossomed and grew from there. And uh, we, we got, Mark and I got involved in, in establishing some um, football clinics and kind of helped expand the game. Uh, to the West. Uh, Mark was on a one-year contract uh, through AusAid, and then when he left, I kind of sort of um, took over the responsibility of handling everything. And uh, Mark and I helped started the Nandy Panthers Football Club, and then I eventually uh, started the Latoka Raiders Football Club, and uh, and they entered the competition for the first time last year. So while I was looking after all of the football developments here in the West, the previous chairman um, uh, had decided that he was going to move back to Adelaide. And then uh, yeah, he came along and, and basically just sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, uh, I think, I think it'd be good if you became the president of AFL Fiji. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. I didn't work first, really. Everyone, I kind of went along to the, to the AGM and, and everyone, everyone kind of just sort of voted me in. So I, I had no choice. Uh, in, Everybody, I think you're about the 57th or 58th international guest we've spoke to. Out of all the presidents, I don't think we've come across one that actively said, yep, I wanted that job. I was gunning for it. It was always, we got one the other week and it was, he classifies a lucky door prize, he called it because. Um, yeah, so obviously you're setting up clinics in, in schools and everything like that. So what does the role of the president in AFL Fiji entail? Well, um, I wear many different hats in AFL Fiji, really. Uh, on some days, I'm the umpire. On some days, I'm the coach. On some days, I'm the water boy. So um, it's a bit different how we run footy here in Fiji. It's not as, um, I guess, uh, closely uh, involved with community like it is in Australia, uh, where there's a lot of volunteers and a lot of people that sort of get in there and help. But my vision ever since I've come on board was to really try and create more opportunities and pathways for, for our senior guys, uh, you know, to possibly coming across and playing in Australia. Um, we do have a, we do have a fantastic um, uh, development team uh, that work in Suva and in Nandi and they, and they branch out to various communities uh, regionally in the cities and towns all across the, all across Fiji. And uh, so basically it's my job is just to sort of work alongside them and kind of help grow the sport. But I'm all about trying to do the big picture stuff, you know, trying to grow the brand in AFL Fiji. And that's, that's something that I feel that uh, we need to be looking at in trying to expand the sport nationally. Yeah. Nice. So one of the challenges is, you know, finding players and how hard have you guys found it to, to, bring new players to the game and get them involved? Well, when I, when I sort of came across and got involved and saw the, the competition in Suva, I mean, I was blown away by um, the attendance and the people involved. Uh, they had um, started out in uh, establishing women's competition. So people, people were starting to learn more about the game and, and become familiar with, with our sport. Um, it's certainly very challenging to try and break the stigma because everyone is so, so focused on rugby and, and, you know, it's, you're basically born and bred with it ever since, ever since you can sort of, you know, pick up a footy. So to try and, and come up with this new sport and an alternative pathway um, has, has been challenging and uh, particularly here in the West for me, you know, because uh, it's, it's just myself and, and I'm trying to, you know, run the trainings and, and it's, it's a different kind of training that you have to run. It's, it's more of the, of the, the teaching phase. And, and so, yeah, it comes with its challenges. So it's, it, it's quite challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that, um, you know, rugby is huge in Fiji and they're quite, quite the powerhouse team in Fiji. And, um, you know, you, you've got guys like uh, Marco Sivo that's, you know, yep. dominant player in the NRL. Um, but do you find that you're able to get guys that 
sort of aren't quite physically suited to to the game of rugby. They're a bit more, bit more agile, you know, a bit leaner and not quite as quite as broad shouldered as uh, a Civo that are able to, you know, they find that the Aussie game suits them a bit better and you're able to get guys that way. Yeah, look, I think people and players in particular are starting to realise that there's there's actually an opportunity, there's actually a pathway for them with with footy. And, um, you know, a lot, and a lot of the guys who do come through the ranks, you know, they might have tried the absolute best to try and crack it in the in the top grades and, and they've fallen short. And so football to them has been another avenue and another outlet. And, uh, you know, last year we started toying no, we didn't toy, but we, we facilitated, you know, having a couple of the guys go across to Australia and play with a local football club there. And uh, now all of a sudden there's this spark and there's this enthusiasm for football because now they see that, well, you know, shit, if I keep playing this game, then I might get the chance to go and play, you know, footy at the local club in Australia. So people are starting to realise that um, pathway and that's what I'm all about, trying to create that opportunity. Yeah, very nice. So with that opportunity, obviously it starts at the you know, the younger ages and we see on your social media that you're very active in schools, clinics and trying to grow the game of Aussie rules in the schools. Has that helped get kids of that younger age interested in kicking a footy around? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, our, our pathway programs, uh, a lot of our senior guys have come through our, our junior development programs and, uh, you know, what the guys planted way back in 2009 we're starting to see the fruits of their hard labor come to fruition you know in the last sort of couple of years we've had some fantastic senior footy and and i believe the standard in fiji is starting to you know to grow each year i like i remember when i came in 2017 or 18 to see a local football match and then looking at the footy standard last year like it's just going to a whole new another level so the development programs are a real success for us. Um, we've got um, our uh, development officer, a, a young female by the name of Matalita, and she's just a superstar. And uh, she has a team of development coordinators to work with her in and around different schools. So she might come across to the West and spend two weeks working with maybe two or three different schools running, you know, similar like Auskick type programs. And then they get funneled into a uh, kind of like a high school competition, which then funnels on to our Oceania Cup program and then goes on to the South Pacific, um, the South Pacific um, combined uh, representative squad uh, who then come across and play in, in Australia. So it's, it's a very, very well-run program. Yeah. So do you, have you found it difficult to try and, uh, explain the rules and, and get, you know, especially some of the older guys that are, have grown up playing rugby to to adapt to the rules of the Aussie game? Oh, look, they, they, the thing about the Fijians is that they're very quick learners. And, uh, you know, once you kind of give them the basics and the dynamics, they kind of roll with it. And then you just have to, um, you know, educate them as best as possible. Uh, I think the hardest thing for me is is trying to develop football smarts. Um, you know, like where, like to run into open space, you know, and to lead and timing everything and uh, taking a mark and arc and go. I mean, the amount of times that I get frustrated when our guys take a mark and then all of a sudden they just kick it straight to the man of mark, you know. So it's that football smarts that I've found has been quite uh, the most challenging thing in getting these guys to understand. And, uh, you know, it just, it just comes down to sitting down with the boys and watching, you know, take after take on some of these AFL games and explain to them about, right, this is what you need to do when you running into space. And this is where you need to run into an arc and go and kind of thing. So yeah, that, that's, that's been the challenging part. And uh, with our preparation for, for international cup, um, which was for this year, we were, we were working very, very hard and trying to um, get our boys, you know, uh, up with their footy smarts. And uh, I think that was an element in our game that we um, probably lacked in the last international world cup based on the feedback that I was sort of getting. Yeah. I guess it's, it is probably one of the harder things to do to develop. And also you don't want to take away their sort of natural instincts and yeah. their ath- athletic traits that they have. Um, you know, you look at a player like uh, Nick Nat, 
who you know he's he's got some uh, amazing athletic attributes but you know he probably doesn't uh you know he's only in recent times started to really get these footy smarts down and sort of you know um you know using all of those athletic abilities to then dominate the opposing ruckmans and stuff that um you know, you know when you got guys that aren't anywhere near as athletically gifted as him that are able to you know sort of outsmart him um but how how many players do you have involved in in Fiji in football and how is the squad looking we have um six seven eight senior men's teams and we've got four uh senior women's teams and um in our high school competition um we work with uh about six schools where we select and pick um probably between four and five teams for for a tournament of round robin um and uh last year we had um started up a new football club in uh, in a village down on the coral coast so we were looking at going into possibly 10 teams into this year's senior competition before everything kind of fell away yeah before uh the whole world decided to shit itself and shut down <laughs> um so you, as you said so you've got you're looking at having 10 teams in your competition so how like what time of year did your competition run like what's your final series like and you know who's the powerhouse for the competition at the moment Powerhouse in the, in the competition is uh, the Rewanga Football um, Club. The, the, uh, they're the Crows. They've won the premiership uh, four times in a row now and, um, and, and a very, very solid team. Um, most of the players are ex-Fiji rep um, or who have played at, at a much sort of higher level. But um, I think that's a great thing because it just, you know, raises the stand for other teams to try and compete with. Uh, our season normally runs from about um, end of March, early April. Uh, we usually have um, the nines tournament to sort of kick off the, the senior comp. Um, and that was something that we introduced uh, early last year and ran very, very well. And that, and that was a really good platform for us to kind of, um, get the exposure and, and obviously the brand out there and get people involved in, in, uh, in our sport. So the nines competition will kick off first and then uh, about a week or two later, the senior comp will, will commence and that usually goes to about sort of July, August and then September we have kind of sort of finals. After our finals, we then have basically like it's almost like state of origin. So we have the Vanua challenge. So we will have all the reps, best players in Suva will form, uh, you know, the Suva provincial team, all the guys in the West will form the, you know, the Western provincial team. And, and then we have a, a big clash of the, of the different provincial sides against each other. And that's, that's a real, um, that's a huge rivalry um, that goes on. So, uh, so yeah, so the West, the guys in the West uh, won it for the first time last year. So um, that was that was a huge, huge achievement for football in the West. That's fantastic. So you mentioned that you had six women's team as well. So we're learning all around the world. The women's game is absolutely thriving. What's the quality like in Fiji? And is it how good is it to see these women take on this game of this effectively a foreign game and you know, embrace it as much as everywhere around the world does? Look, I think the women's game here in Fiji is very exciting to watch. I mean, you have to remember that uh, most of these girls come from rugby backgrounds. And so, uh, mate, I mean, some of those tackles, like I, I'd, I'd hate to be playing in their game because it's, it's full on and, and it's, you know, body against body, bone against bone, and, and, and they really hit hard. So the women's football brand is really turning into an exciting game to watch. And uh, again, it's the, the hardest... We, we were we were hit hard last year because we had the South Pacific Games. And uh, so majority of our women's were involved in rugby and wanted to, you know, obviously get the opportunity to represent their, com their country. So we, we lost a few of our top women's um, players to, to the South Pacific Games. But in the lead up to our preparation for international 
Cup, we've we've had a lot of the um, players come back and 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 hoping to really build on the success that they've had in the last International Cup. I think they finished fifth in the in the world, so you know they're they're definitely a um, a powerhouse um, team to sort of watch. And as you said, like they've come in from rugby, so that that the game, the women's game in Fiji, is exciting to watch. Is there any in there that you know the prospect of you know coming across the AFLW? attractive for them to be like, hey, I can actually go play a professional sport in a foreign country because they can be that good at the game? Yeah, we've, we've had uh, one or two of our female players that have tried out um, for a couple of the AFL football clubs. Um, and uh, so we are definitely trying to encourage that pathway. And, uh, and really, it just comes down to, um, you know, their level of commitment. I mean, and, and for them, understanding that there is another pathway. You know, there's been a lot of focus in, in the men's and, and helping them understand, look, if they work hard and do all the right things on and off the track, then hopefully a pathway will open up for you to go and play overseas. So we've only just sort of touched on that with the women's in the last, I'd probably say, eight, nine, ten, ten months where we've said to them, you know, there are possibilities of you expanding your football resume and going across and playing or even trying out for, you know, a potential AFL club. So it's it's helping them understand and, and changing that mindset that they have that opportunity. And it just requires them to, you know, make some sacrifices and, and put in that level of commitment, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's nice that um, there's now a professional avenue for the women as well. And, um, you know, I, I, David Roden and his sister Helen Roden both got to play at the highest level. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be, um, in the future, there's going to be many more stories of brothers and sisters and stuff both getting to play at the highest level, which is uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And, you know, somebody like Helen, who she, she made it to a professional level uh, in her 30s, which, um, you know, obviously is for a professional athlete, that's you're, you're at the tail end of your career. And hopefully she inspired a few younger girls that are now going to be able to, you know, 18, 19, join the professional team and, um, and I'm sure the International Cup is something that helps uh, that pathway as well. So you've competed in International Cup in the men's and women's and were the Division Two champs in 2011. Um, so how much of a thrill is it for the players that get to compete and come over and, and to Australia and play against the best teams all around the world? Yeah, it's definitely, it's opened their eyes a lot. And it's, you know, coming back to what I was saying, like it's, it's, I think a lot of our guys are now starting to realize that they can really make something of this, of this sport called AFL. You know, they have, um, they're starting to see the pathways and um, the opportunities for players to actually go across. When, when I sort of, before I came involved with, with AFL Fiji as, as chairman, I, I reached out to a couple of football clubs that I played with back in the country and, uh, and, and sort of said to them, Hey, I'm working with, with this um, football club here that I've sort of started up and, and I, I think there's some really great, fantastic players here that I'd love them to come across and play. And uh, and I think out of the five or six football clubs I reached out to, one of them finally put their hand up and said, yeah, we'll, we'll take two players. And it's been the best thing ever. And that opportunity has created a fire in these players, um, especially the guys in Suva who've been playing for a good nine, 10 years. Like there's never, there hasn't been an opportunity like this for them. So we, we looked at, right, well, what can we, with, with the template that we've done, what can we do to try and replicate that and get more players from Suva and other areas across to, you know, playing football outside of just our international, you know, rep. And um, it's just a matter of building relationships and and trying to get more clubs involved in, you know, giving opportunities to, to players here in Fiji. So it's a huge, huge stepping stone for them and uh, definitely opens their eyes to what this sport can do for them. Yeah, nice. So besides the actual International Cup, uh, is there any other tournaments that uh, the Fiji national team plays in? 
Nope, just the International Cup. Um, Simon Heifel, who used to be based here in Fiji and run um, AFL Fiji, he moved to AFL Asia and I was talking to him um, last year about, you know, the possibility of um, joining the Asia Championships because I know PNG, uh, I think they entered for the first time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they joined last year for the first time and won the championship. And uh, and so I'd, I'd love to get, you know, our national guys exposed to, to playing more at, a, at an international level. What's the what's the feedback from AFL Asia? Is that a fairly good possibility that they'll you know, welcome you guys with open arms, say twenty twenty one and onwards? Yeah, look, we've we've been having some discussions, and um, I, I think the first thing was we were going to try and uh, focus on our preparation for IC twenty. It's a huge um, task trying to pull together funds for you know for an overseas tour. It's not an easy thing here in Fiji, and um, you know, we were certainly looking at, um, you know, the next two, three year timeline of, of getting, you know, potentially some of our guys across there. Uh, but I, I keep in regular contact with Simon and he's very open and very positive about the idea. So, yeah, we'll continue to have that dialogue for sure. Yeah, just to confirm, yeah, PNG did take home the 2019 uh, Asian Championship. So, yeah, to me that would put you guys in good stead. They're welcoming the PNG from the South Pacific, you know. I, I think from Rifty can agree that all the clubs that we've spoken to in Asia, you know, they're under the opinion, the more the merrier. They're happy to take people in from anywhere. I honestly reckon if Santa and Corbett put their hand up and go, hey, fellas, we are going to bring a team across the Asian Cup. Can we come? I reckon they'd be going, yep, absolutely, because they are very welcoming, welcoming to what we've um, found from AFL uh, clubs in AFL Asia. So you mentioned that, um, the funds and everything is quite hard to get teams across the international cups and any other tournaments. How hard do you guys find it to get sponsors for the for the league? And is there any ones that you know, really just consciously help out? <laughs> I see you smiling, so it's uh, that's probably the reaction we get when we ask about sponsorship. <laughs> well, mate, before I got involved in football, my beard was all black. Now it's all grey because of all the stress that I had to work. Like, mate, before I got before I jumped on the committee, I had a full head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, yeah, look. I'll be honest; it's extremely tough. You know, we're we're a small minority sport here in Fiji, and you know, everyone lives and breathes rugby, and you know, a lot of the focus is on you know our sevens rugby, and of course our uh, 15s in our rugby league, um, you know, national squad. And it's it's really hard trying to work with, you know, companies who don't, who know absolutely nothing about, you know, our sport, um, our brand and, and what we're all about. And uh, so we, 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 we'd reached out to several um, large corporate companies. And, and thankfully, I mean, with my relationship in, in the tourism industry, I was able to, you know, sit down with a few companies and, and everything was looking very positive to getting them on board and supporting us for IC20. And, uh, and then of course, you know, as COVID sort of happened, we, we lost all our sponsorship instantly overnight. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the businesses are sort of saying, we're not really sure when, when we'll be able to, you know, go back to normality. Um, but certainly before all of the COVID stuff, I mean, like it was very, very difficult to try and get um, sponsorship from, you know, large corporate organisations. Um, uh, yeah, we, we were looking at doing various fundraisings uh, very, very early on in our preparation for IC20. And, uh, but yeah, it's, I know the previous chairman, when they went across for the last international cup, I mean, in the 11th hour, they were still trying to get funds together, you know, before they were getting on the plane. And, uh, he, he sat, sat me down and said, I'm going to give you one advice. And that is when you're getting ready for international cup, start at 18 months in advance, because he said, you don't want to, you don't want to be in my situation where, you know, we're getting ready to fly in a few days' time and I don't know if we've got money in the bank to make it happen. So, uh, yeah, it is extremely tough, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking as you were speaking about that, that I know clubs in Melbourne that lost, you know, 80% of their sponsorship overnight because of COVID, let alone, you know, 
uh, organization that is literally based on everybody like that whole entire um, income coming in. And like, I just, I couldn't imagine, you know, the fact that you build up international cup, you probably spent all this time getting your funds sorted, getting all your raffles or whatever fundraising you do only for a, everything to be pulled out from underneath your fund money wise and b all the planning for the international cup, unfortunately isn't going ahead in 2020. I can't imagine how tough that would have been for, to find all that out and to, for that to happen to, to an organization. I mean, all the groundwork, all the relationship building that you do with people to try and, you know, sell the idea and the reasons why they, they need to invest in, in a sport like AFL. You know, when you when you look at what you've tried to do over the last sort of eight, nine months and then everything kind of just, you know, suddenly overnight, that's it. Like it's, yeah, it's a real... It's a it's a huge blow. So and, and and just coming back to what you're saying about footy in Australia, like like I can only even begin to imagine what you know, like country footy who you know solely rely on sponsorship and uh, for the ones that were struggling, like uh, it's incredibly difficult times. So yeah, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, we're uh, definitely one of them clubs have struggled for a long time, and we are sort of hoping. Fingers crossed that uh, we don't come out of this too bad. But unfortunately, especially in Melbourne with the second wave at the moment, no one, you know, one minute we could be getting told, yeah, we're definitely on board for 2021, but you just never know what's going to happen. So hopefully all our sponsors stay on board. And um, like we've, we've, We haven't joked about International Cup, but we've always kept going, you know, we want to get up there next year for it if it goes ahead. So we constantly are telling people that we chat, you know, we'll see it in 2021. But I've never actually really thought about the consequences that you guys and all these other clubs and countries around the world have dealt with, with 18 months worth of planning like that, just gone from you. So that must be tough. But um, what were some of the fundraising events that you guys held for the international cup? Um, so we, we were looking at, uh, so one of the fundraising activities that we did was um, uh, trying to sell Carver. <laughs> So we were, we were running stalls in Suva and, and in the West and uh, selling carver by the roadside. And uh, guys in the West were doing um, lovel packs. So basically they would, you know, put together a hungy and, and then sell these little food packs for five, $10 as a way of trying to, you know, fundraise for, for their guys that were, you know, potentially in the, in the international squad. Um, we, we had plans to do a bit of a gala night um, back in sort of April. And, and uh, I'd also been talking to some people in Melbourne and, and also David Roden to try and see if we can also do a bit of a fundraising event with the Fijian community in Melbourne. And because uh, he was quite involved in, in the last international cup and the fundraising um, over there. So, um, so Sola, so our vice president Sola uh, and myself, we were considering flying across to Melbourne, sort of around April, to try and see if we can, you know, build up some support and some fundraising activities. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't didn't really come to pass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Rifty. No, it's, uh, um, have you tried Carver? Have you ever had that before, Eto? Yeah, I, I was never a fan of Carver, but. Um, you know, my, my job kind of like, sometimes I attend all these different functions and you kind of have to get involved. So now I can't get it, mate. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anyway. Yeah. I, I don't think yeah. I've tried it. Um, so my, my, one of my uncles was Fijian. And so when he passed away a few years ago, I was very, I was pretty young when he passed away, mate the biggest funeral I've ever been to like family come from everywhere. There's a feast on that. Like it was unlike any funeral or anything I've been to. And it was, um, you know, there's one thing that Fijians do just as well as anyone or probably better than anyone is bring their communities and their families together. And yeah, they are very big families a lot of the time. Um, so hopefully you're able to get some more, you know, support, get some bigger, big families getting involved and, you know, um, supporting the club, the clubs, and then supporting the international, uh, 
rules team. Um, one thing I, I want to know is, I know it's not called a haka, but the Fijians do a war dance before their games for the, for the rugby in the in the you know World Cup and stuff. Do do that? Do the Aussie rules team have their own one they do before if they make a grand final? Or do they have a war dance they do? Yeah, yeah. There's definitely um, there's definitely a war dance there, and uh, I'd never uh, never got around to sort of um, exploring that with the guys. Um, yeah, it would have been would have been awesome to sort of watch. But um, I know I know with with rugby there's a different variations. Back back in the day they used to do the dimby, but now it's you know everyone kind of gets in the huddle and and they sing a few you know gospel hymns. So. Yeah, I think it just comes down to what the players and the boys want to do, and I know they've done it in the in in the last international cup a few times. I, I never attended, so I didn't really get to see um, them doing the sort of war dance in action. Yeah, I, I could only imagine what it'd be like being an opposition player just standing across from a, a good hucker, like especially in Aussie rules where it's not something that's commonplace. Like you watch the you know the All Blacks and. All Blacks versus Fijian teams, and they're both doing their war dances, and it's um, it's pretty much the only reason I ever, ever watch World Cup rugby is for that. I love it; it's uh, gets me fired up, and yeah, yeah it'd be good. it'd be be up for the opposition teams from you know bloody Canada or Poland or wherever they're from, standing across from that, you could imagine that they'd be bloody shitting bricks if they <laughs> coming up against a good war dance. Yeah. Uh, but sort of how much help do you guys get from the AFL itself? We, we get a little bit of funding every year and also uh, we get funding um, for the Oceania Cup, which is uh, a program that they sort of facilitate and run. Um, but yeah, look, uh, I'm not going to complain because certainly everything, every little bit of financial funding does help. Um, but you know, I'd I'd love to see more involvement from the AFL into into Fiji in particular, and uh, without trying to without trying to sound like I'm very biased, but I just think there's so much raw potential and and the athletic ability here that basically surpasses you know some of the hate to say, but some of the South Pacific Island nations that we've got you know that are involved in it. So I, I yeah, I think we've had a lot of success on the AFL stage with many Fijians coming through the ranks and playing at that high level. And uh, I just think that, you know, there, there should be some more focus into, into places like Fiji for, you know, recruitment or other opportunities. So, yeah, that's, that's my take with that really trying to sound <laughs> too, too <laughs> political. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, when you see some of the athletes that are running around playing rugby and like you said, the rugby sevens, you know, some of the world's best rugby sevens players are coming from Fiji and especially in the women's game as well. There's a amazing talented players playing uh, those sports. And you think if you're looking at AFL, you know, if we could pinch some, you know, a couple of the best players from all these different sports all around the world, I think Fiji would have to be high on that list for, especially for, the explosive speed that some of those uh, those players have. Mm. Um, but what what's been your sort of most memorable moment being involved with uh, Aussie rules over in Fiji? I think for me it was um, during my time of when I was sort of fostering these two senior um, football clubs here in the West, and um, so I, I've never I've never coached before. Um, I've played football at, at some very um, um, powerhouse clubs, but never thought in a million years that, you know, I'd sort of be involved in coaching and you don't really know who to sort of align yourself, you know, like what kind of a coach I am or, or how I'm sort of going to turn out. But um, I kind of just went in there and just sort of with the mindset of trying to educate people on how to play the basics and the fundamentals of the game. And then, you know, for a football club that I'd sort of been working with, for them to then go, uh, I think, one loss in the, in the season and, and then playing a grand final was, you know, like just an awesome um, achievement. And, and 
kind of you kind of get this feeling of ah oh, you know maybe, maybe they were listening to me or you know maybe I am a good coach I don't know but you know you kind of just think wow like 12 months ago these guys couldn't kick a footy and now they're hitting people laces up on the chest and you know playing absolutely brilliant style of play and then to make it to a grand final I think that was yeah a wonderful achievement and uh you know, it's almost like that kind of father-son relationship when you see your son taking his first steps and, you know, kicking the footy and then he's all of a sudden, you know, kicking goals and playing senior footy. It's that journey of seeing them develop. And, uh, yeah, I, I quite, yeah, quite enjoyed that that experience. Yeah, very nice. Like I imagine that would have been a, quite a memorable experience for yourself. So let's find out a little bit about yourself. So, um, you know, you said that you played for a few powerhouses back in the day. So... How long did you play for and who did you play for and what position did you play? Yeah, so when my family migrated, we uh, so we migrated back in 2009 from Fiji and uh, we went uh, to a small country town called Yarrawonga, right on the border of Victoria and New South Wales. And uh, so I grew up um, basically learning to play football in the country and uh, I started off with Moela Football Club in the Murray League and then went to the Ovens of Murray with Yarrawonga and then, uh, and then went to um, Piccolo League before it um, uh, kind of split away and, uh, and then played with uh, Tangama. And then I moved down to Melbourne and played um, in the WRFL and had a couple of seasons there. I played in the Essendon League with the Northern Saints and, uh, and then had a little stint with... Um, Point Cook towards the end of it. Because I tell you what, Yarrawonga is not a bad, bloody bad place to learn how to play footy, though. <laughs> you don't want yeah. to play anywhere. Country Victoria is the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, very, very um, tough league to sort of break into. I mean, the Ovens and M is just full of superstars nowadays. <laughs> yeah. So, what position yeah, did well, you play? Oh, sorry, Rift. No, when you got um, Favola traveling up to Yarrawonga to play. <laughs> play for them and uh you know yeah they must uh, they and what they win three in a row or something i think yeah, something like when that. he was playing yeah, three or four um, yeah. doing well so i never got the chance to, to sort of um play senior footy with Fawala, but i mean certainly a lot of the guys that have played up through the ranks all got that opportunity i remember when barry hall came across as well and uh uh it was Young Raider and uh, Yarrawonga and it was Barry against uh, Favola and geez, that drew a crowd. I mean, it's just, it was fantastic. Yeah, that was like, it was all over the news and everything, wasn't it? It was a big, the big event. Big event, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so what, what position do you play? Um, so I'm a ruckman on baller and uh, have played in the wing. And uh, yeah, those are just some of the key positions that I sort of played would have been the back line. Didn't really like playing up the forward because you never know, could kick goals. <laughs> I usually I usually stayed in the middle, and that's kind of where I love to play. Um, I had that sort of Fijian tenacity where I just love to crash and bash and run through the middle and yeah, take them on. That was kind of my thing. Yeah, nice. Uh, what about what number did you wear, or do you wear? Um, Twenty-three was my number all all throughout when I was playing. All right, and so oh, I, do, I do enjoy when the bloke has a certain number. We get yep. these people on that are like, oh, whatever number they give me, I don't really care. I like a bloke to sit there and go, 23, that's everywhere I want. That's what I wanted. I like it. Well, hopefully it ties in with that, one of our next questions. But who do you follow in the AFL? Well, I'm a, I'm a big demon supporter. I, uh, I grew up... Um, my dad was a, was a big D supporter. And when, I remember when we were here in Fiji, he used to have the little little radio and listen to uh, the footy being played back in Australia. And I knew nothing about the game other than I had to follow the demons. And uh, when we, when we moved to Australia and uh, I remember dad took me down to the MCG to watch Melbourne play uh, North Melbourne it was the very first game. And I saw Jim Steins, who was the ruckman. And I was just in absolute awe of this guy who could just jump and leap over people and tap this football around and uh and that's kind of how i sort of felt well yeah that's that's it i'm gonna play football and you know become a ruckman like jimmy steins and uh yeah so i 
have followed the Melbourne Football Club ever since, and uh, it's been a very painful journey at times. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, just as we were Sorry. getting ready to, to record, I was watching the Demons Bulldogs game, um, and they've been very up and down this season, unfortunately. And I was thinking about this today, mate, because it is the Indigenous round, and it was something we were going to discuss um is my you know our favorite indigenous players and i reckon through the 90s one of my favorites was jeffy farmer the whiz no, the wizard the whiz. Right? when he was flying on climbing yeah, just, on gary Lyons' back just <laughs> taking those marks kicking goals from everywhere it's, i'm a carlton supporter but yeah you couldn't help but love watching him take those bloody big marks that's for sure i reckon i reckon if i didn't if i didn't go down and watch um, a game of football and see, you know, obviously a game at the MCG. I don't think I would have ever fallen in love with football as I as I do now. But that that really cemented my my love for footy. And uh, and you know, I think that point with the our guys here once they see it on the TV, and they think, oh, that's a very interesting sport. And when they play it. The amount of times I've had people come to me and say, oh, this is such an awesome game. Like, I can't believe I never thought of this sooner. So, yeah, it ca- people people catch on pretty quick once they come across it. Yeah, it's always good to hear that. But um, so this is the question that we've only just added. We asked one of our players the other day. And we were just like, you know what? This is the question that I feel like we need a worldwide perspective of. So if you could go back in time, so back in any time in history and attend any sporting event, what would it be? Um, you know what? I would have loved to, if I could go back, I'd love to have gone to the 2016 uh, Olympics and uh, watch Fiji play in, in the finals. Um, I would have loved to, to have been in that room with Ben Ryan uh, talking to his players before they run out and, and play for the, for the gold medal. That would have been just the atmosphere in that room and, and obviously listening to Ben Ryan talk to those guys. It would have been just absolutely huge. So, yeah, I, I'd pick that moment. Yeah, nice. That's uh, Like I said, I have uh, family that are half Fijian and, you know, my um, so whenever Olympics, you know, Fiji always becomes the sort of second team for me. I always love watching them, you know, run around with the rugby and stuff. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not big into to, to that game, but yeah, Olympics, World Cup, you got to watch some of it. So I always go, well, if it's not the uh, the Aussies, I'm watching the Fijians. And I probably liked watching the Fijians play more than the Aussies anyway. <laughs> They're uh, more top, my type of game, just, you know. <laughs> smashing in and uh, fast and um but mate it's been awesome chatting to you um we wish you all the best with everything going forward hopefully 2021 can can go ahead with the international cup before we wrap up rifty just want to mention you mentioned earlier that you are you know, reaching out to clubs to try and get some of your players across here to play you know like competitions in australia if you ever want to send a couple of your Fijian boys down to sand down, mate. We'll have them with open arms and we'll do what we can to accommodate them because I reckon we've had some quite a, you know, we're in a very multicultural area. We've got a lot of different uh, cultures running around in our area and I reckon a couple of Fijian boys running around sand down, mate, would go with them Tongan boys about a few years ago. <laughs> no, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, we'd love, love that opportunity to sit down and talk more and, uh, yeah, and no, I appreciate it. So, yeah, let's, let's, let's chat more on it. Yeah, awesome. Thanks again for joining us, mate, and all the best with everything. And hopefully you, uh, throughout this time, you can uh, just recruit some more and they they keep watching footy on TV and, and get, get more players involved in the game. Likewise, gentlemen, thank you very much for having me. I, I appreciate your time and, and I wish uh, uh, you guys all the best in your football club for next year. And, uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep in touch and I'll see you at uh, IC2021. Awesome, right, mate. Thank, Thank you very you. much. All right. Well, they knock out. Thanks for watching the Cobra Cast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info.
and we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP.